on and plugged in. <laughs> you remember yesterday we discussed a couple of points regarding sedition. We talked about the fear that there were in the minds of some that seditions can be and have been bad things. We also mentioned yesterday that there were certain things which we have done as a group which were good ideas. So basically, you could say tradition can be good or bad. It depends on what the origin of the tradition might be. You'll recall that yesterday we said that the fear that there were in the minds of some were, particularly Jesus, was that the traditions that the Jews were maintaining were the results, in many cases, of the thinking of men. The reason that we are trying to take an inward look at ourselves, that is, we as Christadelphians, there may be things that we have forgotten that should be traditional with us, and there may be things that we've picked up along the way as tradition that we ought to drop. You know, the Christadelphians are unique. And you're going to see it this morning, I hope, in the demonstrations that we hope to make. Traditionally, Christadelphians shudder at anything that is churchy. Any churchism causes the Christadelphians to back off. And what's the reason for this? And we will hopefully show you this morning that churchism is a way of worship that we have hopefully come out from among. I'd like you to think about that for a moment. And as we reflect over some of the things that we as a group practice, let's reflect whether or not in this hundred years we have absorbed or picked up some churchism. Churchisms, I mean, to be like our contemporaries who are attempting to worship God as they see fit. I'm sure that many of you have read this article that was published in 1921, a lecture by Robert Roberts. The title of it is A Sect Everywhere Spoken Against. And this sect that is everywhere spoken against in the mind of the speaker, Robert Roberts, were the Christadelphians. Why were they everywhere spoken against? Because they were the flashiest dressers? 
They drove the biggest cars. They had the best horses. What was it? Why were they everywhere spoken again? They were supposed to be different. And they were supposed to be different in one of the aspects of tradition, namely doctrine. I said that tradition should be broken into two categories, doctrine, and we could call it deportment. Or you could call it walk. Or you could call it a way of life. Traditions then, in breaking down into two categories of doctrine and way of life, have been the reason that the Christadelphians in ages gone by were spoken against because they were an indifferent, as it were, group to the contemporary churches. Or, let's put it another way, they were antagonistic to the contemporary churches. Why? Because doctrinally, they differed. They differed in virtually every point with the churches about them. Let me ask you this question. How long ago has it been since you have heard anyone speak derogatively about it saying uh, ill about the Church of Alpha? I mean, how many weeks, how many years, how long has it been since you have heard anybody say that the Christadelphians are a narrow-minded bunch? <laughs> Was it spoken by a Christadelphian? Then obviously, the person to whom that remark was directed fits into the category of one who is a member of a sect that is everywhere spoken against. Let's hope he was not bigoted in uh, being called narrow-minded, but narrow-minded insofar as the scriptural teachings are concerned. Because this is the accusation that Robert Roberts said that we were accused of. He said in this lecture of his, that the Christadelphians are accused of putting everybody down. You see, that's one of the quibbles that are laid against us. All you do as a bunch of so-called Christians is go around contradicting all the ideas that we as Christians maintain. You see, this is a quibble. Because the Christadelphians maintain that any doctrine that they have is scripturally sound. It is based on the teachings that the scriptures contain regarding the revealed word of God. And traditionally we hold this to be our position. If it cannot be proven from the scriptures, it is not a doctrine that we adhere to. If it is of men, we dismiss it quickly as not being scriptural. 
One of the things that Christadelphians maintain and maintain vehemently, and that is that within men dwelleth no good thing. And immediately we antagonize our contemporaries. Is this our idea? We look around, we see people here within our group and we think are pretty fine. We see people who are lovely, both in appearance and in character. And yet, as a group, we antagonize others by maintaining that within man there is no good thing. We recognize that the approach to God must be on his terms. Because the scriptures tell us this. That we cannot approach God simply because we think it's a good idea that we do it. We must approach him in the manner that he has prescribed. Robert Roberts says, we cannot approach God even afar off except under the most stringent appointments which uphold the authority and greatness of God and abase man to the very dust. So right off the bat, we're in trouble with those about us who feel that within man is something that's worth cultivating. You know, they say that if we go along and evolve long enough, we're going to get to the point where we're all right. There is a church in our area that uh, says that uh, man is getting better. He's uh, going up on a scale. I don't know what they thought happened in 1939 uh, through the 44th. Uh, he's getting better, though. He's not killing quite so many people. He slowed it down. The uh, murder of the people in Germany, during that period of time, sort of indicated that uh, he may have had a little relapse in his progress upward, but really he is getting better. He's making people live longer, shooting guys to the moon, he's meeting the Russians up there in the sky, so obviously he must be getting better. But you see, we as Christadelphians would counter this by saying, really, the scale is going the other way. When we look at the events around us today, we don't see progress upward. We see man on a clear ride to destruction. And we maintain this as a group. But having said those things, let's look at the matter of doctrine that traditionally we as Christadelphians hold. And I think that if we could list this as completely as we would like at a bigger board, uh, I think you would be impressed by the stark realization that doctrinally, we traditionally are so different from our contemporaries that we are moved into 
a position that is so separate from the rest of the so-called Christians that we are or should be impressed by our uniqueness. Now, having said that, I will make the statement that because of this uniqueness, we have absolutely no reason to be boastful, anything other than completely humble that the God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, has seen fit to reveal unto us, the sinful sons of men, his purpose, his plan, and his way of salvation in this day and age. And when we look at this list that I hope to put on the board, which will vividly, I believe, to demonstrate to you our uniqueness, I want everyone to leave here very, very thankful that we have the opportunity to come here and reflect on these things and to realize how great has been the love of God to each of us. We have no cause for anything else other than true humility. All right. As a group, traditionally, we say that the Bible is the Word of God. We say it's the only source of revealed intent by the Creator. What do our contemporaries say? Well, they say, part of it's all right. A lot of it's folklore. And not only that, we are beginning to question whether it's uh, correct in uh, even some of its historical accounts. Despite the fact that there are some disciplines today which, instead of disproving the Bible, are proving its veracity. So, here we begin with point number one, the very source of knowledge and understanding regarding God, and we find we differ with our contemporaries. <laughs> what about that? Well, we say Yahweh is one God. We say that God is the creator and sustainer of the universe, and that in him we live and move and have our being. Our contemporaries say, oh yeah, there's a God, all right. But he's uh, a pretty, sort of a jail editor's way, I should say it. Well, yeah, maybe I should put a delta up there. He's a three-sided deal. Uh, we really don't know too much about him. Uh, we just have to accept that when God is concerned, it's mysterious. That is what our friends think. So, then as we move down the scale, we find Christ, or better, perhaps, if we say Jesus. We believe that Jesus, as Brother McGehee has said, was born of a woman by the intervention of the spirit power of God. And that while he will have inherited certain characteristics of his father, he is by no means equal to God. 
see as a son. Old Reverend to he who is his father. This is what we believe. That Jesus as the Son of God, the Son of the woman, is in no way part and parcel with the triune head of, that our contemporaries believe in. How about the Holy Spirit? Our friends say it's the third person of the uh, triune. And that the person of the Spirit does many things uh, and as such performs the intent of the triune head. We say it is the power of God by which he performs his purpose. It is not a person, but it is strictly and only his power. Well, if we move down the scale, I think the next in the list would be man himself. We've already indicated that we feel that man is uh, inferior to what he is considered by our peers. We say that man is a dying creature and that there is nothing about him that God would desire. Have you ever looked out at the stars at night and they're brilliant and said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? What is man? Made of the dust of the earth, and he will return to the dust because, as was stated in the synopsis that uh, Robert Roberts said, that there is a sentence written in his very constitution that brings him back to the grave. There is nothing about man that is immortal, as our fears would make him out to be. But man, as a creature of the dust, just as the animals of the field will return to that state, because that is written in his constitution. When we think, too, of the hope of man, uh, And we believe that the hope for man is that he might come unto immortality. That he might be partakers of the divine nature. And that this is what he hopes for, and therefore a hope is a thing that is not realized. We believe that the hope of man is for everlasting life. Obviously, if it's a thing to hope for, it is saying a thing which is not at this present moment a possession. Why do you hope for a thing that you already have? You can't do it. It's no longer a hope if you possess it. We go on with man. What about the grave? The grave? We believe it's the resting place of this body that is to decompose and return to the elements from which it was taken. The grave, our friends will tell us, should be this spot where they say that most people go. Uh, there they're entertained 
by various ways in their thinking, uh, kept busy. The immortal soul has to be put somewhere, so they put it there. Or if they're a little better, they give them an elevated position. We think of the, the devil. Our friends say he's a guy running around in a red coat with a fork tail and a big pitchfork, and he's urging people to do that which is wrong. We say it is strictly the evil that is inherited within man. We don't need somebody to make us do wrong. The last time you did something wrong, did you need somebody else to tap into it? No, we're quite capable of it ourselves. It's a real good scapegoat, you know, to have this guy to blame for all that we do wrong. Uh, of course, we say that the devil is the nature of man or his propensity to sin. You know, uh, I've only just basically started on this list. Uh, for example, gospel. Is our gospel different than the gospel of the nations around or the, our contemporaries? It sure is. You see, they teach the gospel as being the crucified Christ. Now, while the crucifixion of Christ and his death, burial, and sacrifice was an integral part to the fulfillment of the gospel. It is not the gospel of the scriptures. The gospel of the scriptures is the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. It's not the crucified Jesus, which is the gospel that is taught about it by our contemporaries. What about it's hard to think and get somebody to understand the end of the rest of it? Uh, yeah. Hey, this, 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 this is a, a toughie. And yet, it's a very uh, salient point of difference. Now, regarding the sacrifice of Christ, you know, uh, while we're talking about that, the crucifixion, the sacrifice of Christ, uh, they say it's a substitute. They died for it. You know, if that were the case, none of us would die. But we still do. Uh, they say it was a substitute. I don't know if I got enough eyes and teeth in there, but you know what I mean. That Christ, they are tell us, died instead of us. They don't realize in their understanding of the sacrifice of Christ, that by saying that he died as a substitute for us, and that he did not have a need to die himself, that they are doing him a disservice. And so, we differ vastly on this matter. I wonder what the question of baptism. We say, cold immersions, dipping in water, they say, we can sprinkle you. And we can, and we can go further and say, if you don't think it's necessary, we'll waive it for you. Uh, they even 
baptized infant, we say that one must have a knowledge of why he is being baptized. An information on the gospel. Otherwise, the baptism is no more than a bath. What about our memorial service? Yes, we hold it what? Once a week. Or as often as we come together. What about our contemporaries? Well, sometimes one a month. Some do every quarter. Every quarter, some every week. Give them their news. But in the vast majority of cases, it is excluded sometimes from the uh, membership, uh, the wine in one of these groups goes to the fellow that, I shouldn't maybe say this, but you know, I've heard it said that the problem with that church, with the hierarchy, is that they have two problems, punk and Judy. Uh, he said that was the one. What about the clergy? Do we have... Do we have any bishops, deacons, so on? Do we? We have We do? They have reverence. They have men who are so-called experts in the field of religion to whom the rest of the people say, well, they'll figure out what's best for me and we'll let the man with the turn collar look after our salvation. What do we say? Judy. Judy? Yeah, how about that? What's the Bible say? Yeah, what's the Bible say? What do we as Sister Elkins say? Don't we say, study to show yourself approved unto God, rightly dividing the word of truth. Who does it? Some guy with a sign of God? No. It's our responsibility. And if we don't do it, it's not going to be done. Right, you work it out. So, again, we differ. What about the purpose in life? We believe that the purpose in life is to, as we said, work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We're on a probationary period. What about our peers? What do they think the purpose of life is? Get all this can out of it, boy. This is a one-shot deal, and if you don't make it now, you've had it. And if you blow it, well, things will get fixed up for you later on. Because doesn't God love everybody? Yeah, you can get maybe bailed out if you... Uh, make a big enough bundle. I'm going to put down something here. Build it. <laughs> what about the Sister Elkins' attitude toward building? See, well, why in the world would this guy put down something like that? Here he's talking about uh, dropping uh, things which we as a group stand for. 
And lo and behold, he writes down Billy. I really haven't set my list. Really? I have a purpose for putting that down. You know, there's a place somewhere in Norfolk, or is it Richmond, where they have problems on this very thing. I don't know whether it's doctrinal. I suppose in seriousness, in, in, uh, in the minds of some, it is. And, and I, I hope that you don't misunderstand me in bringing this up. I am not trying to side either way with this question. All I am saying is that it can be a problem and has been. Now, why do we have buildings? Our peers have them, that is, our contemporaries, for show. And they, with their elaborate steeples and big bells and whatnot, they uh, come into this category. But we traditionally feel that we should not have showy things. That we should be modest in all that we have. Particularly in places of worship. The building means nothing. Really. It's merely a convenience. And so whether it's got red windows, black windows, or whatever it might be, it doesn't really matter. Or no windows. Or no windows. Because we've got screens. <laughs> now, you were wondering when I was going to write back. The pharmacy. I mean, if we're talking about doctrines and traditional things that Christadelphia holds, uh, I would be most remiss if I did not write down the pharmacy. You ask your friends, what do you know about the pharmacy? What pharmacy? Is it something that uh, Nixon said? When it comes to religious things in regards to promises, I believe the Christadelphians stand unique in their position of the emphasis that we place on Abraham and the promises that were made to him. Because really, in the promises made to Abraham are encompassed the whole of our hope. Because when God said to Abraham, in these and in thy feet shall all families of the earth be blessed. Then without a doubt, it comprehended all the necessary ingredients for complete salvation. Our friends know little or nothing about the promises that the scriptures record that John had made both to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and David. Yeah, what relevancy does it have today? He was a, a beginning of the God of the Jews, so there's no relationship to us today. All right. I could go on with this. The board is pretty well filled. We wouldn't have to think very hard to put on other points of doctrinal differences between ourselves and the contemporaries with whom we live there. 
Here's just one point. I think Matthew very significant here. There's been any number of times when people have
there are truths according to the scriptures. Because never, I honestly believe, has there ever been a time when there is so much pressure and outside influence on us as a body to maintain our individuality and uniqueness in our precious hope as there is today. Now, you may be critical of me this morning, and justly so, in the fact that I have not quoted any scripture. If I had to verify all these, there isn't enough time at this school. But I'm getting lots of help from the other uh, classes because they are giving the detail, and we are giving an overall look. <clears throat> Look, will you turn with me so that you can't accuse me of not going to the scriptures? To Ephesians, the fifth chapter. To read verse 10 and 11. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. This is our job. Today, don't wait for somebody else. You prove what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. And if you are found in this role, be sure that you will be a sect everywhere spoken against. I've got lots of other things to say. Uh, there's one thing that I think that we ought to emphasize here. Conditions under which that's wrong? No. Kind of what? A different base. Well, I mean, I suppose you are on air. Is that the base? Right. I don't believe that mathematical figure there is ever any different. So, you to call that, as it were, the truth. Is it truth? Ever change? Never. It is always the same. And while we are told in the scripture that we hold this truth in an earthen vessel, the truth won't change, but maybe we, as the vessel containing it, could. And this is the reason for the look this week at our position as to the that we hold traditionally. 
We hold the truth to be constant. Never vary. Never change. And therefore, if it was that way in the days of Dr. Thomas, when the name Patricia Elkins was coined, it hasn't changed today in 1975. The truth is still the same. The truth as revealed in the scriptures has not altered. If there's been any change that appears in some of the things we've looked at, then we better look within. We better see if our understanding of these things are still the same. Okay, I've had my shot. Uh, I would say, let me qualify what you say, your understanding. Uh, how would it be if we take this for the increase? With knowledge might increase. Uh, and your ability to comprehend and understand could run, of course, or proportionately to that. But that still doesn't alter the basic class, does it? Okay. Because look, obviously, when Paul speaks of those who were feeding on the milk of the word as against strong meat, he allowed for the increase of knowledge. He recognized that those people that come to baptism are not the equivalent to Dr. Thomas in his last years. Obviously. So the room for growth is there. But the unalterable truth does not change by the accumulation of knowledge and understanding. Although the truth remains the same in some light, basic sometimes. Well, if you want to... No, it wouldn't be the same. They have to be true. And we can say we are to be good. Somebody's wrong. Well... Because we have to come to the beginning of earth. You remember what we said at the very beginning? The tradition that Mr. Dalton stands on the planet. That any hope, any idea that we have, the basis of our faith is based on the scriptures. And if it cannot be ascertained or affirmed by the scriptures, then we can't accept it. So it is therefore the uh, scriptures that are the criteria by which we stand on any matter of truth. 